0: Chapter 36. The Quarter Deck. Enter Ahab, then all. It was not a great while after the affair of the pipe that one morning shortly after breakfast, Ahab, as was his wont, ascended the cabin gangway to the deck. There most sea captains usually walk at that hour, as country gentlemen, after the same meal, take a few turns in the garden. Soon his steady ivory stride was heard, as to and fro he paced on his old rounds, upon planks so familiar to his tread that they were all over-dented, like geological stones with peculiar marks of his walk. Did you fixedly gaze, too, upon that ribbed and dented brow? There also you would see strange footprints, the footprints of his unsleeping, ever-pacing thought. But on the occasion in question those dents looked deeper, even as his nervous step that morning left a deeper mark, and so full of his thought was Ahab, that at every uniform turn that he made, now at his mainmast and now at the binnacle, you could almost see that thought turn in him as he turned, and pace in him as he paced, so completely possessing him, indeed, that it all but seemed the inward mold of every outer movement. De mark him, Flask,' whispered Stubb, the chick that's in him packs the shell. T'will soon be out. The hours wore on. Ahab now shut up within his cabin, Anon pacing the deck with the same intense bigotry of purpose in his aspect. It drew near the close of the day. Suddenly he came to a halt by the bulwark, and inserting his bone leg into the auger hole there, and with one hand grasping a shroud, he ordered Starbuck to send everybody aft. Sir, said the mate, astonished at an order seldom or never given on a shipboard except in some extraordinary case. "'Send everybody aft,' repeated Ahab. "'Mastheads, there, come down.' When the entire ship's company were assembled, and with curious and not wholly unapprehensive faces were eyeing him, for he looked not unlike the weather horizon when a storm is coming up, Ahab, after rapidly glancing over the bulwarks and then darting his eyes among the crew, started from his standpoint— And as though not a soul were nigh him Resumed his heavy turns upon the deck With bent head and half-slouched hat He continued to pace Unmindful of the wondering whispering among the men Till Stub cautiously whispered to Flask That Ahab must have summoned them there For that purpose of witnessing a pedestrian feat But this did not last long Vehemently pausing he cried What do ye do when ye see a whale, men? Sing out for him was the impulsive rejoinder from a score of clubbed voices. "'Good!' cried Ahab, with a wild approval in his tones, observing the hearty animation into which his unexpected question had so magnetically thrown them. "'And what do ye do next, men? Lower away, and after him. And what tune is it ye pull to, men? A dead whale or a stove-boat?' More and more strangely and fiercely glad and approving grew the countenance of the old man at every shout while the mariners began to gaze cautiously at each other, as if marveling how it was that they themselves became so excited at such a seemingly purposeless question. But they were all eagerness again, as Ahab, now half-revolving in his pivot-hole, with one hand reaching high as a shroud, and tightly, almost convulsively grasping it, addressed them thus. "'All ye mastheaders have before now heard me give orders "'about a white whale. "'Look ye, did ye see this Spanish ounce of gold?' "'holding up a broad, bright coin to the sun. "'It is a sixteen-dollar piece. "'Men, ye see it? "'Mr. Starbuck. "'Hand me yon top mall.'" While the mate was getting the hammer, Ahab, without speaking, was slowly rubbing the gold piece against the skirts of his jacket, as if to heighten its allure, and without using any words was meanwhile lowly humming to himself, producing a sound so strangely muffled and inarticulate that it seemed the mechanical humming of the wheels of the vitality in him. Receiving the top maul from Starbuck, he advanced toward the main mast with the hammer uplifted in one hand, exhibiting the gold in the other, and with a high-raised voice exclaiming, "'Whosoever ye raises me a white-headed whale with wrinkled brow and crooked jaw, whoever of ye raises me that white-headed whale, with three holes punctured in his starboard fluke, look ye, whoever of ye raises me that same white whale, he shall have this gold ounce, my boys.' "'Huzzah! Huzza! cried the seaman, as with swinging tarpaulins they hailed the act of nailing the gold to the mast. "'It's a white whale, I say,' resumed Ahab as he drew down the top mall. "'A white whale. Skin your eyes for him, men. Look sharp for the white water. If ye see but a bubble, sing out.' All this while Tashtego, Degu, and Quigquag had looked on even more intense interest and surprise than the rest." And at the mention of the wrinkled brow and crooked jaw, they had started as if each were separately touched by some specific recollection. "'Captain Ahab,' said Tishtego, "'that white whale must be the same sort called Moby Dick.' "'Moby Dick!' shouted Ahab. "'Do ye know the white whale, then, Tash?' "'Does he fantail a little curious, sir, before he goes down?' said the gay header deliberately. "'And has he a curious spout, too?' said Degu. "'Very bushy, even for the parmaceti. "'And mighty quick, Captain Ahab.' And he have one, two, three, oh, good many iron in him hide too, captain, cried quig disjointedly. All twisky tea betweak like him-him, faltering hard for word and screwing his hand round and round, as though uncorking a bottle, like him-him. Corkscrew, cried Ahab, aye, quig the harpoon lie all twisted and wretched in him. Aye, Degu, his spout is a big one, like a whole shock of wheat, and white as a pile of... "'our Nantucketer wool after the great annual sheep-shearing. "'Aye, Teshtego, and he fanned tails like a split jib in a squall. "'Death and devils, men, it is Moby Dick ye have seen. "'Moby Dick, Moby Dick!' "'Captain Ahab,' said Starbuck, who, with stubborn flask, "'had thus far been eyeing his superior with increasing surprise, "'but at last seemed struck with a thought "'which somewhat explained all the wonder. "'Captain Ahab, I have heard of Moby Dick.' "'But it was not Moby Dick that took off thy leg.' "'Who told thee that?' cried Ahab, then pausing. "'Aye, Starbuck, aye. My heart is all around. "'It was Moby Dick that dismasted me. "'Moby Dick, that brought me to this dead stump I stand on now. I, ay, aye,' he shouted with terrific, loud animal sobs, "'like that of a heart-stricken moose. I, ay, aye. It was that accursed white whale that raised me, "'made a poor pegging lubber of me forever and a day.' Then tossing both arms with measureless imprecations, he shouted out, "'Aye, aye, and I'll chase him round good hope, and round the horn, and round the Norway maelstrom, and round perdition's flame before I give up. And this is what ye have shipped for, men, to chase that white whale on both sides of land, and over all sides of earth, till he spout black blood and rolls fins out. What say ye, men? Will ye splice hand on it now? I think ye do look brave.' "'Aye, aye!' shouted the harpooners and seamen, running closer to the excited old man. "'A sharp eye for the white whale, a sharp lance for Moby Dick!' "'God bless ye!' he seemed to half-sob and shout. "'God bless ye, men. Steward, go draw the great measure of grog. "'But what's this long face about, Mr. Starbuck? "'Wilt thou not chase the white whale? Art not game for Moby Dick?' "'I am game for his crooked jaw.' and for the jaws of death too, Captain Ahab, if it fairly come in the way of the business we follow. But I came here to hunt whales, not my commander's vengeance. How many barrels will thy vengeance yield thee, even if thou gettest it, Captain Ahab? It will not fetch thee much in our Nantucket market. Nantucket market! Hoot! But come closer, Starbuck. Thou request a little lower layer." If money's to be the measurer, man, and the accountants have computed their great counting house the globe by girding it with guineas, one to every three parts of an inch, then let me tell thee that my vengeance will fetch a great premium here. He smites his chest, whispered Stubb. What's that for? Methinks it rings most vast but hollow. Vengeance on a dumb brute, cried Starbuck, that simply smote thee for the blindest instinct, madness. Madness. To be enraged with a dumb thing, Captain Ahab, seems blasphemous. Hark ye yet again, the little lower layer. All visible objects, man, are but a pasteboard mask. In each event, in the living act, the undoubted deed, there some unknown but still reasoning thing puts forth the molding of its features from behind the unreasoning mask. If man will strike, strike through the mask. How can the prisoner reach outside except by thrusting through the wall? To me, the white whale is that wall, shoved near to me. Sometimes I think there's naught beyond, but tis enough. He tasks me, he heaps me. I see in him outrageous strength, with inscrutable malice sinewing it. That inscrutable thing is chiefly what I hate. And be the white whale agent, or be the white whale principal, I will wreck that hate upon him. Talk not to me of blasphemy. I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. For could the sun do that Then I could do the other, Since there is ever sort of fair play herein, Jealously presiding over all creations? But not my master, man, is even that fair play. Who's over me? Truth hath no confines. Take off thine eye, most intolerable than fiends, Glaring and doltish stare. So, so, thou reddenest and palest, My heart has melted thee to anger glow. But look ye, Starbuck, what is said in heat... That thing unsays itself. There are men from whom warm worlds are small indignities. I meant not to incense thee. Let it go. Look yonder Turkish cheeks of spotted tawn, living, breathing pictures painted by the sun, the pagan leopards, the unwrecked and unworshipping things that live and seek and give no reasons for the torrid life they feel. The crew, man, the crew, are they not one and all with Ahab in this matter of the whale? See, Stub. he laughs. See, yonder Chilean, he snorts to think it. Stand up amid the general hurricane. Thy one tossed spalling cannot, Starbuck. And what is it? Reckon it. Tis but to help strike a fin. No wondrous feat for Starbuck. What is it more? From this one poor hunt, then, the best lance out of all Nantucket, surely he will not hang back? When every foremast hand has clutched a whetstone, I, constraining, seize thee, I see. The billow lifts thee. Speak, but speak, I, I, thy silence, then that voices thee. Something shot from my dilated nostrils. He has inhaled in his lungs. Starbuck now is mine. Cannot oppose me without rebellion. God keep me, keep us all, murmured Starbuck lowly. But in his joy at the enchanted, tacit acquiescence of the mate, Ahab did not hear his foreboding invocation, nor yet the low laugh from the hold nor yet the presaging vibrations of the wind in the cordage, nor yet the hollow flap of the sails against the mast, as for the moment their hearts sank in. For again Starbuck's downcast eyes lighted up with the stubbornness of life. The subterranean laugh died away, the winds blew on, the sails filled out, the ship heaved and rolled as before. Ay, ye admonitions and warnings, why stay ye not when ye come? But rather are ye predictions than warnings, ye shadows, shadows yet not so much predictions from without, as verifications for the foregoing things within. For with little external to constrain us, the innermost necessities in our beings, these still drive us on. The measure, the measure, cried Ahab. Receiving the brimming pewter, and turning to the harpooners, he ordered them to produce their weapons. Then ranging before him near the capstan, with their harpoons in hands, while his three mates stood at his side with their lances and the rest of the ship's company formed a circle around the group. He stood for an instant, searchingly eyeing every man of his crew. But those wild eyes met as the bloodshot eyes of the prairie wolves meet the eyes of the leader, ere he rushes on at the head of the trail of the bison, but, alas, only to fall into the hidden snare of the Indian. "'Drink and pass!' he cried, handing the heavy flagrant to the nearest seaman. The crew alone now drink round with it, round short draughts, long, shallow men, tis hot as Satan's hoof, so so it goes round excellently, it spiralizes in ye, forks out of the serpent's snapping eye, well done, almost drained that way it went, this way it comes, handed to me, here's a hollow, men, men, ye seem the years, so brimming life is gulped and gone, steward, refill. Attend now, my braves, I have mustered ye all round this capstan, and ye mates, flank me with your lances, and ye harpooners. Stand there with your irons, and ye stout mariners, ring me in, that I may in some sort revive a noble custom of my fishermen fathers before me. O men, you will yet see that. Ha, boy, come back. Bad pennies come not sooner. Hand it me. Why now, this pewter has run brimming again. Wert not thou St. Vitus Imp? Away, thou ague. Advance, ye mates. Cross your lances full before me. Well done. Let me touch the axis. So saying, with extended arm, he grasped all three level radiating lances at their cross center. While doing so, suddenly and nervously twitched them, meanwhile glancing intently from Starbuck to Stub, from Stub to Flask. It seemed as though by some nameless interior volition, He would fain have shocked into them some fiery emotion accumulated within the laden jar of his own magnetic life. The three mates quailed before his strong, sustained, and mystic aspect. Stub and Flass looked sideways from him. The honest eye of Starbuck fell downright. In vain, cried Ahab, but maybe tis well. For did ye three but once take the full force shock, then mine own electric thing, that had perhaps expired from out Perchance, too, it would have dropped ye dead. Perchance ye did not. Down, lances, and now, ye mates, I do appoint thee three cup-bearers to my three pagan kinsmen there. Yon three most honorable gentlemen and noblemen, my vigilant harpooners, disdain the task? What, when the great pope washed his feet of beggars using his tiara for ever? O my sweet cardinals, your own condescension, that shall bend ye to it. I do not order ye, ye will it. Cut your seizings and draw the poles, ye harpooners. Silently obeying the order, the three harpooners now stood with the detached iron part of their harpoons, some three feet long, held barbs up before him. Stab me not with that keen steel. Cant them, cant them over. Know ye not the goblet end? Turn up the socket. So, so now, ye cup bearers, advance. The irons, take them. Hold them where I fill. Forthwith, slowly going from one officer to the other, he brimmed the harpoon socket with the fiery waters from the pewter. Now, three to three, ye stand. Commend the murderous chalices. Bestow them. Ye who are now made parties to the indissoluble league. Ha! Starbuck, but the deed is done. Yon ratifying sun now waits to sit upon it. Drink, ye harpooners. Drink, and swear. Ye men that mend the dreadful whaleboat bow. Death to Moby Dick. God hunt us all, if we do not hunt Moby Dick to his death. The long barbed steel goblets were lifted, and to the cries and maldictations against the white whale, the spirits were simultaneously quaffed down with a hiss. Starbuck paled and turned and shivered. Once more and finally, the replenished pewter went the rounds among the frantic crew, when, waving his free hand to them, they all dispersed, and Ahab retired within his cabin.